You're listening to the Complete Concussion Management Podcast with Dr. Cameron Marshall. Ask Concussion Doc is a show where we answer your questions about concussions, treatment, and rehabilitation to help practitioners better manage these injuries. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Ask Concussion Doc, episode 36. This one, we're talking about blood tests for concussion. And the main question is, is there a blood test for concussion? The answer to this question is no. Thank you very much for joining us today. That's all we have. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, 2018 in February, so a year ago uh, this month, the FDA... Uh, there was all sorts of media coverage. The FDA approved a blood test for concussion. At least that was the media report that, that everybody got. This isn't exactly true. Uh, actually, it's not even close to true. And I'm going to explain everything about that FDA report and why it's not accurate uh, as, a, as a diagnostic test for concussion. So let's, let's talk about theoretically how could a blood test diagnose a brain injury. Well, when there's injury to tissue, for example, there's blood tests that can diagnose heart attack because when certain things happen, there's going to be these biomarkers left behind, so evidence that something has occurred. Now, in brain injury, there's going to be certain molecules, compounds, proteins that are discarded or excreted or released when that tissue becomes injured. So if there's injury to the brain, you might get some of this protein floating around in the cerebral spinal fluid. Now, to get at the cerebral spinal fluid, you have to do a spinal tap. That is quite an invasive procedure, painful, and there's also some risks of infection uh, and some other nasty stuff. And so that's not really a good tool, right? We're not going to have every athlete after the game getting spinal taps to try and see if they have these proteins in their CSF. And But blood is obviously easier to get at. I mean, a lot of blood, blood tests are simple to do. Uh, they're not extremely invasive. Uh, but if you could find these markers in blood, then that would be fantastic. The issue, though, is the blood-brain barrier. So your, your central nervous system and your um, systemic immune system are two separate things. So stuff that is in the brain and CSF, you have a completely different immune profile that's in the brain than you do kind of floating around in your circulation. And the thing that keeps them separate is that blood-brain barrier. And there's only certain things that are allowed to cross. So the theory behind using a blood test to diagnose concussion is that if you find brain-specific proteins floating around in systemic circulation, well then obviously there's been some sort of injury that's occurred. But then the question becomes, has that injury happened to the brain or has that injury happened to the blood-brain barrier? So if the injury, and then it comes down, well sorry about that, I'm going to backtrack a little bit. If All of that is hinged on which tissue has more kind of tensile strength. So if you can injure the brain easier than you can injure the blood-brain barrier, that means that you could have brain injury or concussion without having any damage to the blood-brain barrier, which means nothing would actually be excreted. So in that particular scenario, a blood test may not pick up the fact that you had a concussion. So you're going to get a false negative. On the flip side of that, 
if we consider that the blood-brain barrier may be injured easier than the brain itself, then you have the possibility where you've had injury to the blood-brain barrier, no brain injury specifically, but you're still gonna get some brain-specific protein that may have leaked into systemic circulation. You may pick it up when there's been no injury. Now, there's some other problems with biomarkers for, um, for concussion specifically. So the injury is mild. So in more severe forms of brain injury, we have elevation of a lot of these biomarkers, which is where this idea kind of came from, is that while if they're present in severe brain injury, maybe they're present in mild brain injury. But the fact is the injury and concussion as a mild brain injury is so minimal that you're not going to get a release of a huge amount of, of these proteins. So your concentration is going to be much, much less. And trying to find that limited concentration in your entire circulatory system with a little tube of blood is difficult. And so it's, it makes it very hard to pick up some of these things. And we don't really have the most sensitive measures yet in order to be able to measure this stuff, especially in those small quantities. In order to see the protein in the blood, um, in order for it to diagnose concussion, I should say, we also then have to assume that nothing else can cause these proteins to be elevated. And that's not the case. So some of these proteins that are used in these biomarker studies are actually released by peripheral tissues. So musculoskeletal injuries, damage to peripheral nerves can release some of these compounds. So if every concussion causes kind of a whiplash injury to occur, which it does, you're gonna have soft tissue injury. If soft tissue injury causes a release of some of these biomarkers, well then what are you really looking at? Because you do a blood test, you draw the blood, and now all of a sudden it shows positive findings, but you don't know really which tissue or which compound has been injured. So that's a problem. Also, some of these studies have found that just exercise, vigorous exercise, can cause release of some of these compounds. And there was actually a study that was done at the University of Toronto by Alex DiBattista, published in Frontiers of Physiology uh, about six months ago. They tested 12 different biomarkers before and after a two-week high-intensity interval training program, and they found elevated levels in 10 out of the 12. So just with exercise. So if we're going to be using a blood test to try and diagnose concussions after or during a sporting event, well, if exercise alone causes these biomarkers to become elevated, what are we really looking at, right? The utility of that test plummets to pretty much zero uh, if it can be found in other tissues or due to other causes, okay? So in order for a biomarker to be effective, it needs to be specific to the CNS, the central nervous system. It should be only released in response to injury, meaning that exercise shouldn't elevate it, otherwise you're gonna get these confounding variables that are difficult to control for. And then we also need to develop methods that are able to detect even the slightest and smallest concentrations of this molecule. These three things have not been met yet by the level of science and evidence that we currently have. So let's go over some of the most common biomarkers that are out there. The first one is the most common is S100 beta. It's, this is present in probably 90% of the scientific studies that get done looking at 
um, biomarkers for sport-related concussion. The problem with S100-beta is that it's also found in melanin, so that's the, the pigment in your skin, so it's elevated in people with darker skin. It's found in cartilage cells, and it's also found in the breakdown of fat cells. So you don't think you're breaking down fat and cartilage when you're you know, exercising and playing sports? I don't think so. Okay, so this has also been found in trauma patients without head injury. It's also been found to be elevated above the concussion threshold just with physical exercise alone. So again, S100 beta doesn't seem to be a promising biomarker for concussion because of these things. The next one is GFAP, glial fibrillary acidic protein, which is a structural protein found in astrocytes. Astrocytes are support cells that help to contribute to the formation of the blood-brain barrier. And in fact, what GFAP is best used for is being able to detect the presence of a bleed in the brain. The FDA approval that came out last February that every media outlet said was for concussions was actually to be used in emergency departments to cut down on the number of CT scans being ordered because CT scans have a high dose of radiation and the purpose of doing a CT scan is to look for a bleed in the brain. So if you have kids coming in with head injuries and all of these ER docs are ordering CT scans for every single you know, concussion patient just to make sure there isn't a bleed, you're exposing kids to a high level of radiation. Plus it's expensive. So the blood test is to be used to extract, to look for GFAP, as well as a compound called UCHL1. So it was the combination of those two compounds that is, was approved by the FDA. And it had nothing at all to do with concussions. It had to do with using the blood test to determine who should get a CT scan. So if you get a blood test and you have elevated markers of GFAP and UCHL1, that indicates that there's a higher probability that you actually have a bleed. Why? Because those compounds contribute to the formation of the blood-brain barrier. So obviously if there's damage to the blood-brain barrier, you've damaged the vasculature around the brain and that's gonna contribute to bleeding. So that makes sense. So this is just another way in which the media is just looking for clickbait when it comes to concussions. Right, we've spoken about this with CTE as well. There was actually a call uh, last week for from researchers to the media to say, knock it off with the CTE hype. We don't know anything about this yet. And the same goes for these blood tests. So all of you out there that thought that there was a new blood test for concussions, the blood test that the FDA approved had nothing to do with concussions at all. It was to look at reducing the number of unnecessary CT scans uh, by using a blood test that can counteract that. Now, not to say that there isn't hope here, right? There are some emerging trends that are happening in this space, right? We're looking for different compounds that may be CNS specific, available in higher concentrations, and um, uh, not released with other types of injuries. Uh, some of the stuff that's being done, they're looking now at saliva, so there's microRNA in saliva that can change with injury to the central nervous system. There's still quite a bit of work to be done here, but this would be much less invasive. Could you imagine just doing cheek swabs on every athlete versus trying to draw blood on every athlete? I think it would go over a lot better to just be able to swab a cheek. 
And another study, again, from Di Battista at the University of Toronto, um, they found right now looking at inflammatory markers. So any type of injury, you're going to get inflammation. And what they did, and the way that their study was set up, which is a lot better than a lot of these studies are set up, because a lot of times these studies have very small sample sizes uh, and there aren't a lot of good controls in place. These guys looked at 175 university athletes at the University of Toronto. They had 43 that had diagnosed concussions. They had 30 that had musculoskeletal injuries and they had 102 that were healthy. These athletes were from 12 different sports and what they found was when they looked at these inflammatory markers, they found different inflammatory markers present depending on the injury that you had. So in concussion, they found elevation of a certain marker, but then in MSK injuries, they didn't find elevation of this marker, they found elevation of a different marker. So obviously there's more work that needs to be done on this, but in terms of this first study, it's kind of a promising avenue. I think that they're one of the few groups that's looking at inflammation as a marker rather than brain-specific proteins, and that might be the way to go. Um, now, that's all I have to say on that. There's obviously a ton more of these biomarkers that are out there, but the gist is basically the same. We haven't found that kind of bulletproof strategy yet for detecting concussions, um, but obviously there's a ton of research here because I think there's a lot of money to be made because whoever figures out the blood test or saliva test that can diagnose concussions uh, is going to be a very rich individual. And so I think there's a lot of that you know, pressure financially to try and promote, you know, the, the new test that you came up with. And so they drive these stories through the media and the media obviously loves it because it gets people to click on it. And it's, it seems interesting because everyone's interested in the concussion space. Um, so, but we're just not quite there yet, but don't lose hope. People are working on it. And eventually I think we will come to some sort of objective biomarker test that can be used for concussion. Uh, for those of you listening on the podcast, um, I'm going to start answering some questions now at the end of these sessions, but I'm only going to answer it for those that are live on Instagram. Obviously, when you're listening to this, I've already recorded this, so you can't ask me questions. Uh, and we're going to do it through uh, my at uh, concussion underscore doc feed. So right now, what we're going to do for those watching on YouTube and those watching on Complete Concussions and everybody else, if you join us live for these sessions, uh, you'll be able to have your questions answered in real time. So for those on the podcast, thanks for joining us. Join us next week. I, again, don't know what the topic is. <laughs> uh, and those on YouTube, same thing. Those on Complete Concussions, if you want to hop over to Concussion Doc, uh, I can stick around for a few minutes and answer any questions that you might have. Cheers, guys. Thank you for listening to the Complete Concussion Management Podcast. If you like the show, please subscribe and let us know by leaving a review. Have questions about concussion management for future episodes? Submit them to our website, Facebook, or even Instagram. See you next time.